or intellectual nod, right? And for some of us, it even goes as far as just an enforcement at our workplaces or enforcement, law enforcement, right? Or policies that, that make us diverse. Some of us stop right there. We know, right? We get it. We can have great conversations about it. We know what it looks like when it's not diverse, right? We accept it. But for Jesus, the game was not over there. God was calling Paul and now the church to promote the building, if you will, the, the, the actual sewing together of these far off and near people into one body to be a family, to be a household to have an eclectic community of people walking around and living together. Christianity in the church then and now would look like a freak show. <laughs> a Frankenstein monster. And, and awesome and glorious and, and, and ironically beautiful monstrosity, if you will, of histories and heritages and ethnicities and gender and culture and social and sin struggles and class. A revolutionary thought that life could be and exist in and through a diverse community like that. But how would this be possible? How would groups that historically, politically, religiously, and ethnically, who tend to reject each other on those lines, come together and be made beautiful together? As a believer, a Christian, this is what I believe the Bible is teaching. A diverse, holy community is only possible if the walls of hostility between each other are broken down, firstly. Secondly, when it, it's only possible when the Lord breaks through the wall between him and that community. The hostility, the wall of hostility between each other must come down, and then the Lord must break through, right? That wall between us and that diverse community must be broken as well. If you didn't know what Paul was proposing here, as I've already kind of explained, is in this letter to a church that he started in Asia Minor was the stuff of late night, giddy, deep discussions and pipe dream, I have a dream rhetoric, right? And then for him to actually promote and then demand diversity and getting along as defining characteristics of being believers in Christian community was a little extra for folks. And even extra for us, right? Apparently, as he talked about the Gentiles coming into the church, and when I talk, talk about this passage, these are Gentile believers. These are Jewish believers. These are people who have come to Christ, and Christ has found them already. So apparently the Lord has opened the door to Gentiles in, in what was mainly a Jewish church to come into Christianity. And Paul was letting the church know the only kind of floor plan, if you will, to accommodate that kind of inclusiveness and togetherness would be an open concept where the walls would have to come down between them. Now, I'm sure in a pagan, non-Jewish world, Paul was getting the, that's all right, baby, right? Bless your heart, honey, right? Because when Paul is talking here about breaking down the wall of hostility, in particular, in this passage between Jew and Gentile, it was madness 
Because these, number one, were not your ordinary Jew and Gentile, right? Because many in Ephesus would have been diaspora Jews, right? Why would they be more hardcore than Hebraic Jews, right? These are Jews who learned the Greek language. These are Jews who are mainline. You know why. They're not in their hometown Jews, right? You know, well, I know as African-American, how y'all act when you're a minority or feel threatened by a dominant culture around you, right? Or looking like you might lose yours. What happens? You create the black, the black table in the cafeteria, right? It's, it's real interesting that when you, as an African-American, I'm just telling from my story or, or our point of view, when you go to a predominantly white school like I went to, it's, it's funny how your ethnicity rises to the top as you seek to hold on to things or, or seek to define yourself. You become, as CB4 movie says, you become blackity black, y'all. Yeah, I had the little African medallion walking around Clemson's campus. Yes, with an orange shirt. Yes! Blackity black, y'all. I'm black, y'all, on your own culture. And so these are Greek Jews. These are Jews in Ephesus. They want to hold on to their sense of identity because the rest of the world is coming in on them. And Paul comes along and says, guess what? Break up the Jewish table. Here come the Gentiles. And you know how I would act, why they got to come. We want our own conversation. That's why we got the black table. We want to feel free. Here they come. And they're going to try to dominate, come in with this stuff. The tension is great here. And here come the, the, the Gentiles, right? They were all about their freedoms, their religious freedoms. And Paul is telling them to come together. And there were some real issues about this. See, in verse 14 in, in, in your passage, and Paul talks about the dividing wall. It's an illusion, right? It, it's referring to the way the temple was designed uh, the Jewish temple was designed back there. Understand, there were different courts in the temple. Each one further away from, uh, how could I describe it? The, the main stage, right? And so you had the VIP section right in the first area. Then you had like a little wall, a wall. Then you had another group. And, and, the, and the walls were divided, would divide people into courts. Each one away from, further away from the presence of God and the blood sacrifice and they would you know put up these walls or divider to stop Gentile even Gentile believers in the God of Abraham from coming past a point if you weren't circumcised if you weren't a true Jew right you couldn't come past a certain point and with it they would separate women out from the group and children too from coming past a point walls if you were sick with something, if you had uh, something going on in your body, even something natural, you couldn't come into a certain place. There were walls for you too. And the Jews, as prejudiced as that may have sounded, they had a point. These Gentiles did not know how to act in God's house. They didn't. We bring them in, they're doing all kind of crazy stuff. You don't bring pig's feet to the church cookout, right? If you're a Jew, if you in a, to a Jewish cookout, you don't do it. God, they don't like that. You don't have club sandwiches with bacon. You don't do it. You can't even have, what, a, a pepperoni and cheese pizza. You don't mix cheese and meat together if you're in the Jewish law. 
They weren't pure enough. Let's face it. I, I think it's hard for us, especially in our generation and where we are, to actually imagine that people coming in at messing stuff up, they weren't pure enough. Their culture brought in it all kind of pagan ways. They were in church saying all kind of appropriate things. Again, they ate all sorts of offensive to the Jewish ceremonial law food. Food. It was a wall to enforce obedience to the holy ceremonial laws. Look with me at verse 15. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, and this is Christ. Well, let, me, let me start back a little bit. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who are, were far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, and thereby, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. This comes from Old Testament Scripture. And Paul is teaching that though God through the gospel, I mean, sorry, that God through the gospel and work of Jesus abolished he freed them from having to observe the ceremonial laws and ordinances to be righteous and holy. And when Jesus did that, he broke down that religious rule wall and was calling those who felt and were made to feel in the church that they were on the far side, right? Or the near side to God's side of the wall to come to a new place, a new gathering reality where Everybody was in a VIP section because Christ had invited them himself. Paul was saying those whose cultures and history or struggle in whatever way you may be near or far from God, and we're all far or near in some way, come close to God in your struggle, in your, in your issue, and to each other. And what does that mean? A couple things. It meant that using those Old Testament laws and ordinances and now cultural religiosity as a means, as a litmus test, as a tool that would declare one group exclusive or better or worse or closer to God than another would be hostile. It's now become a hostile wall, not liked by God despised by God and God's holiness, hostile, if you will, to what God had done in Jesus, and no longer are those walls holy for his plans, but now hostile against his plans. Because God's plan in Jesus was for the church to be an integrated entity in whatever way it can and should be, to be who you are, but together with others who are who they are, to be the diversity you are together, not come close to one culture or one, one cultic personality, but come near to the Lord himself as a person, but as a people coming close to the Lord. Y'all, this is not too hard or complicated to understand. It's just hard to understand because we don't really believe this is what he's saying. I have a hard time. I'm like, he ain't really saying this, right? Paul is saying we should be free to be community together, a worshiping community together. When we think about Jew and Gentile here, I want you to know that for the most part, 
most of us in here, I don't know if there happens to be someone who's Jewish ethnically, but ethnically speaking, do you know that you are all Gentiles according to the law? <laughs> but for us to understand how this works culturally, ethnically, socially, I want to break it down this way. Do you know you are all both Jew and Gentile in some way now? And what do I mean by that? We all struggle believing or feeling we are near and close to God in some way. By some law that's in us, by some thought or rule or personal way, we have felt close to God in the past or some kind of cultural pride or inferiority complex or theological pride for someone uh, that is, or, or could be hostile. Stuff that could be hostile to God and each other. Face it, we have all put up walls between us. We all built something in our sense of God-given identity and then against each other. In some way, all of us in here have experienced walls being put up to us as those who lack or have too much of something or look a certain way or bring others down in some way. We all have lived behind and built walls either because of our history or some social injustice or some ignorance or fear or hatred or some self-righteous protection of who we are in one to be in our very personal relationships with the Lord. Some of us have put up walls of survival. I want to be sensitive to this because I want you to understand how these Jewish believers might have felt. We want to keep our sense of worth in our cultures and our heritages that are in danger of being stolen or dismissed or assimilated. We are afraid of assimilation or, or having about a knee or being dominated by one culture. And so what we do is we begin to build walls. And, and I understand, I'm not talking about being distinct in your culture. I'm not talking about that God-given distinction. That, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about walls of hostility that stop us from experiencing the peace and grace of God together in the body of Christ. And I'm afraid too, because I want to keep my sense of worth. I want to keep my dignity. I want to keep my culture. And when I see certain people come around, not just skin color, just certain types of people, I get afraid, and I will put the wall up, right? Some of you are afraid of being guilty. You don't want to come to a multi-ethnic church because you feel guilty. Be around the wrong people, you, you automatically, oh, I don't want to feel this way in church. I'd rather go to a, church, to a church that everybody's got the same guilt. Then I don't feel guilty anymore because we're all on the same side of the same wall. You know, again, the, 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 the funny thing is the most segregated time of the week is church. Why? Because the walls of our cultural, comfortable relationship with God are fully intact. Let me tell you something about Christianity that proves much about what's going on here. When people come to worship and they're called to answer and lay their lives before God in the call of worship, to, to, to bear who they really are, to live out their sins, do you know what comes out? Kind of the naked, real, exposed you. 
It is the worst place to be and positioned to be broken and contrite and open before the Lord. I'm a sinner in this way and I confess my sins because what you're doing is you're letting down your protections. And others, if they're in real community with you, will begin to see it. Historically, uh, what I, I did a little a small project on Zion Pres Presbyterian Church, a church that was around in the 1800s. It was the, uh, an African-American church that was planted out of um, Second Pres Presbyterian Church in Charleston, South Carolina. And that African-American church was the largest Presbyterian church period in, si in size back in the mid-1800s. Now, they couldn't, that church, even though it was the largest African-American church, couldn't have black leadership, okay, because of what they believed segregation-wise. They segregated the congregations, right? So at first, African-Americans, you know, the slave owners would have their um, slaves and, and up in the balcony, right? And then the slave owners and free white people would worship at the bottom. And so that's why you have balconies in a lot of churches. Um, and so it, it, older churches. And then when, in, when slavery is over, right? There was something, something happened. And I asked my dad, why did they build another church? Why didn't they just continue to worship in the same place? As a matter of fact, on my dad's tour of Charleston, um, there is a Methodist church, and um, there's a big Methodist church, and there's a little smaller Methodist church. And if you go to those church roles, people have the same last name, right? Because they're related to each other. You just got the black one across the street from the white one. Like, why did they segregate, Dad? And my dad says, yeah, because of segregation. But Howard, I think it's something else. And it was a very wise statement, and I believe this to be true. He said, could you imagine slave owners or people who had oppressed one people group confessing their sins in front of the people they oppressed? <laughs> there, would no, there would be no way if the gospel is preached, the great equalizer of humanity, when you come into the church and you're under the spirit and you're hearing the gospel, right? All of a sudden the walls come down because of the nature of the gospel. We all become broken humanity. And there would be no way, my dad said, that, that, that one group who considered themselves superior to another would allow another, the, the people they're superior over to see them kneel before God and confess their sins and cry because they're broken and they're needy in any way. We're afraid of being broken culturally in front of each other. It's dangerous. I don't want to be. Truth be told, we scare each other. We scare each other because we might steal or demean your God-given identity, given worth, right? I'm not safe. This is not. This kind of church, a church we hope to be more and more of, is not a safe place to be if you have walls of hostility. Some ethnic groups don't want relationships, especially in a church. Why are there black churches, Right? Some folks are afraid that if, if, if I let you across this wall, my ethnic wall, my cultural wall, my sense of God worth, you, you might hurt me or crush me or steal or denigrate or stereotype or generalize or guilt me or, or act, dare I say it, like those without God against my God-given design, diverse culture. 
And I got to protect my sense of worth. I'm afraid of people sampling my culture. Man, that is the greatest fear of mine. Y'all know what sampling is. If you listen to the music today, ain't no real good artist out there unless, there are. Let me, let me not say that. I am right. I'm turning to my dad. Yeah, I don't know no music. Everything's sampled, right? I was listening to a song the other day. I think it was at the bowling alley the other night. And I'm like, yeah, that's so-and-so and so-and-so. And they're like, no, that isn't, Dad. That's Bruno Mars or somebody. I can't remember. I'm like, no, that ain't Bruno. Before Bruno was this person. Like, you, in, in the sampling, right? <laughs> this is what I mean by sampling. Regardless of what ethnicity you are, we all sample generalizations and stereotypes from and about each other based on some short-sightedness. Short-lived ignorant stuff, and we make an ethnic mixtape out of that stuff. And we play it in our examination of people and whether we trust them or where they should go and whether they, where they should be in our lives. And I know what happens because I do it. Walls protect. This is, the, this is the thought that gets us. Walls protect and provide justice for us. Apostle here says peace between us. We have a short-sighted peace without the gospel. <laughs> because I feel I'm at peace if you're on the other side of the wall. The way I get peace is keep you out of my life. The way I get peace is my sense of righteous people, them my friends, right? The way I get peace is let's not make a community group with each other, right? And if I do, my real friends, I share the real deep stuff with. But if you white, black, Hispanic, Asian, and not like me, you're poor, you're rich, whatever, I ain't sharing that with you. See, this is how incredible this gospel is. It is saying peace is not feeling comfortable being in a diverse church and group of people. Peace means being with people who you would be most uncomfortable with, but now trusting the grace and power of Jesus to make you one body. I don't know what Paul's talking about. I do, but it seems pretty ridiculous. Paul is saying that God is, has, and is going to bring those kind of walls down. You're in my wall of security and personal justice and righteousness, a wall that has been built and constructed from. Guess what, y'all? Here, here, here's the problem, even in this country. A wall constructed from years of abuse and hatred and misunderstanding when, and stuff like when there's shootings or something like that or this person gets elected and we get together and... and People in my community who say things that really hurt me deeply. And you know what I do? I, I don't go in with the gospel all the time. I'm just like, y'all, I hold it in and I build a little wall up. I add another brick. I can't trust those people. I can't trust those who are Republicans. I can't trust the Democrats. I can't trust this group. I can't trust. And, and every year I build and put another brick on the wall. And then I say, hey, I'm in a diverse church. We just have... We don't have an open concept, though. We have a bunch of rooms in one house. Now, I am not, let me make clear now, 
I am not saying that we shouldn't have diversity and, 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 and uniqueness, right, and, and cultural differences. I'm talking about what we do with those in building walls that hinder peace when we believe they give us peace, right? But how does he do this peace? Look with me at verses 14 through 22 again. For he himself is our peace, who's made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. I'm reading fast. That he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. Remember, Far off in there, do not put yourself in one category because if you find yourself in another church or another culture, now you are far off, right? I remember them shirts in the 90s. It's a black thing. You don't understand, right? So you thought you understood until you saw somebody with that shirt. Now you far off and you're not there, right? So every one of us is far off in there in some way, right? You come upon some people, man, they really exercise the Sabbath. On the Sabbath, they do nothing. They don't even go to restaurants. Now you far off. You thought you were near. <laughs> Think about it. You get, you get in the spectrum of Christian devotion. We sw you switch one church, one mile over, and all of a sudden you in the back, right? You, you ain't VIP anymore. So let, let, let's, let's, let, let's remember that. For through him, we have both access in one spirit of the Father. To the Father, sorry. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of the God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, and whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, and him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Okay, Paul has mixed up, and I'm going quick because, remember, this is a topical sermon. All right? You got to trust my exegesis. When I was in seminary, they said... All you pastors, stay away from topical sermons as much as you can because you got, you know, you start to cherry pick and do eisegesis. I am trying to be as faithful as possible, y'all. All right? It's just that when you're in the Presbyterian Church in America and you've been to seminary, you know, you're real scared to say the wrong thing. All right. Oh, yeah. And before God. Okay. Um, Okay, so Paul has mixed up all sorts of metaphors here to describe the revolution of the eclectic community. He's got temple, he's got body, and he's got citizen, citizenship and fellow heirs. Let me put it this way. When Jesus is described as the chief, chief cornerstone, now some of you are too young to get this. With all due respect, Jesus was a rolling cornerstone. Man, did he just describe the Lord as a rolling stone? As Papa was a rolling stone? What's some other lines in that song? Wherever he laid his hat was his home. And when he died, all he left us was alone. That part doesn't count for Jesus. So let me clean it up right there. If y'all don't understand what a rolling stone is, it's a papa with a lot of children. Okay? And I don't want to make light of your stories if that's your story but I want you to know Jesus was a rolling cornerstone. Because what Paul is teaching and affirming that God is near to even those we deem far off ethnically or otherwise, that he, Jesus, gone out in the message of redemption, now get this, and brought home all sorts of children. 
and adopted sons from all over the place. Instead, like Paul to the Jews, this your brother now, right? This your family. And the message of God's love for all people through Jesus has made us a Brady Bunch. I'm aging myself. Let me age myself again. A different strokes. All right, let me, let me keep going. I remember the Titans football team. Okay. The Avengers. Where you can have your own show, but now you got to work together. Okay. X-Men and women. I had to put the women in there, right? The gospel makes and calls us diverse people to be a family, and that revolutionizes everything, y'all. We have a lot of adoptions in our church, everything. And I realize that everything you have is theirs too, culturally, ethnically different. But you will allow them to share in the rich and poor parts of what it means to be you. But with that, I know the stories from some of you of how, they went, of how you went to their countries, right? Learn their kids' stories. And this is what has happened. The ways your children may be prejudiced against in this country, in a way you are not, in an ethnic or cultural battle you won't fight because of your skin color, has become yours now. Because you have adopted and been adopted by the eclectic community God has called you to, to be one family, one body. What does this mean? I am not you, but I feel you and feel for you as if it were me. What that means is that in your eclectic, diverse community, as you adopt and own and repent and struggle to understand the histories and cultures and genders and sexualities of each other, to hear and live in each other's stories, we are called not to sample, but to bear like the apostle says here, to bear the weight and get heart tied up in an alien struggle, in an alien fear, an alien injustice, because as one humanity, we embrace it and their farness and nearness as something we are called to repent and restore and bring redemption to the world around us. I own your struggle because we are brothers and sisters, and beyond that, we are one body. We all work for social justice because it is the sinful power that hurts our brothers and sisters, even if it doesn't hurt us directly. I, in community, am committed to stopping you from having to live behind certain walls and even on the other side. And, and I have to sometimes confront you for your walls that you have built against each other that stop you from knowing and experiencing the love of God for you in Jesus Christ. At Christ Church, we talked about the fight. We said, when you come to this church, you might be in a cage match, which means once you join up, you can't, you can't tap out. We're going to get in. We're going to lock horns a little bit. Well, I believe this, or I believe in this social structure, or I believe this politically, and this is my politics is closer to God because blah, blah, blah. Have you looked at Scripture so-and-so and so-and-so? Blah, 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 natural law, and this and that, back and forth. It's sickening. I'm tired of it. I just want to go to a certain church behind a certain wall in a certain room. But sorry, it's a cage match. Everybody in that bad boy. MMA, WWF, WWE, whatever. Are we all in there? But not fighting against each other. But in the locking horns for each other. I'm engaging you for you. 
for, for togetherness and tearing down the walls, which means freeing people of the farness and drawing near in ways that their justified phobias and insecurities and struggles can find justice. And as the scripture says, peace. Why is this fight so important? Because if there is a dividing wall of hostility between each other, it means that there is a dividing wall between you and the peace and love of God that is yours through Christ. If you've built up a wall of hostility, it's a sure sign that you have not accepted the peace of God for yourself. You would think that the racist or the prejudiced person or the oppressor lives on the free side of the wall. No, they are not free. And they're not at peace. And that's why the wall is there. There's real edgy structure in Christianity right now. It came up a little bit in Pastor Henry's sermon last week over sexuality. And of course, we can assert a lot of things in there, politics, social theory. But in a church like this, I've been asked as a pastor who talks about eclectic comedian diversity. I was asked on the radio. It was kind of scary when they asked me. Oh, you're talking about eclectic community and diversity. Does your diversity include people of different sexual orientations? I was like, oh, Lord. <laughs> I've been asked to do same-sex marriages. And you know what they say? And it really puts a hardship on things sometimes because in my denomination, I'm not allowed to do it, right? We don't do that. Pastor Brown, we want you to come and do our marriage. Because we want our friends to hear the gospel. What? You lost your... Huh? We want them to hear about Jesus. Boy, I wanted to do that wedding, y'all. Because I like talking about Jesus. This is not theoretical for me. It's not theoretical for the elders at Christ Central Church. This ain't about something that happened out there at some other church. This is us. And in the real application of the gospel, people who have been and are part of this community of faith in their sexuality and their sexual orientations, it is our goal to break down the walls that falsely and unbiblically separate our sexual sanctification between same-sex and opposite-sex orientation. Let me make clear what I mean by this. Sexual sanctification or biblical gospel growth in our sexual lives, though unique in their orientation, but in our sexual growth and journey, heterosexuals and homosexuals are on together, undecided. We must not be divided in our struggle. We must not be divided in seeking God's grace and faith between gay and straight. When we come to Jesus, we are all on the same side of the wall. Let me make clear, when we come to Christ, we are all on the same side of the wall, seeking growth and understanding and sanctification, which means becoming more Christ-like and God-honoring in our sexuality. Sexuality is not about a wall between where you are and where you start or who and what you're attracted to. I am convinced that sexuality is a spectrum and journey of diverse struggles and experiences where everyone is in need and through Jesus has equal access to grace and biblical guidance. For, let me emphasize, the journey 
in that area. With other divisive areas of our lives. And no one, let me go ahead and tell you straight people too. No one, I'm included. All right, you don't have to say amen. Please don't say amen, baby. Let me create some peace and freedom for everybody in here. No one is done growing or being changed in that area of their lives. Let me say it again. No one is done already yet in the sexual areas of their lives. You may be on a different part of the spectrum, right? On a different part of the journey. But until Jesus comes back, the wholeness in that part of your life is not there. So don't consider yourself special against somebody else in Christ. We are saying we're not going to let that wall of hostility stop us from walking in a journey. You need me. I need you, right? In Jesus' right, we're called to equal opportunity to grow and know in that area and through this community of faith. Now we may put up, let me tell you what I've experienced, all right? Again, this is not some kind of, uh, you know, philosophical thought for us, right? We've gone through the scripture, we prayed, we've asked other churches and pastors, we've been through it. We may put a wall of protection around our sexuality, whether we're gay or straight or not sure, because we want to protect our lifestyle from the Lord and from each other. Maybe we're afraid of being mistreated. Or maybe we don't communi- want community. Or worse, maybe we don't want to draw near to God in our sexuality and are afraid where the journey may take us. And I'm talking about everybody in here. So we put up walls by doing one of two things. We don't let the Bible or others speak into our sexuality because we want to protect it behind a wall from the Lord or we build a wall of self-righteousness against each other because we think our sexuality is better or we've arrived or we have the perfect situation or the perfect marriage. You've got a long way to go. It ain't that good yet. It might be good, but it ain't that good yet. Let me finish by saying this. The walls of sexual hostility must come down. So those who are our brothers and sisters in Christ can join the journey of peace and wholeness. The same journey of sanctification you're hoping for as a single person, as a married person who has problems in that area of your life, as as a lot of you struggling with pornography, right? So we can have peace between us and God because he is the way we're changing for each other not against each other and we will bring in walls hopefully if you're seeking to build a wall to protect yourself from God and us look at verse 19 and 21 as I finish this up so then you are no longer strangers and aliens but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being a cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. This is about being a place where God can freely dwell with and between us and in us. I don't think we understand that this is not a social experiment. 
this is not a cool thing happening up in here. I think I already preached this in this message already, but I'm going to preach it again. The walls of hostility are indicative that you don't know the shalom of God. That you don't know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what's real interesting in this passage, it appears that that grace, that peace, that sanctification, right? That worship of God is ever more and more at work when the walls are down. God likes an open concept house too because the Spirit works in phenomenal ways when there's a diverse community where there aren't walls. Eclectic community is a ministry of the gospel, y'all. It's not a ministry of, oh, we're going to have a special conference on, on being a multi-ethnic church. No. What about the ministry of the gospel that it is? Because I want you to receive Christ, and I want you to know the peace of God, and that means I want your walls to come down. Not to me, but as you do bring them down to me. You recognize how God, how Christ has brought him down between you and him. You don't have to build your own walls. Christ has given us peace, and he is our peace. This is impossible if you think you just come in here to be part of this new cool millennial thing. Are we a millennial thing? That means I'm cool. Okay. It's always been a Jesus thing. If you're not a believer here and you think this is pretty cool to be up in here and this, like, yes, I want you to look at the fruit of what it means for Christ to come in your heart and break down walls of hostility that you have toward God and you believe God has toward you. This is the manifestation of that gospel work you're seeing here. So I welcome you in. I don't know where you are on the journey. I don't know where you are on the sexuality spectrum. I don't know your history. I don't know what kind of abuses you've experienced. I don't know what kind of political background you've got. I don't know what your bank account looks like. But I know this. Jesus is our peace. He's our hope. He's our body. He's our head. And you can come. I don't care where you come from. You can come. And I don't care where you come from, what you've experienced in this church. We need to repent for walls we've set up. And you need to stay. And like Tom Henry, Pastor Tom, preached, you need to abide in Christ. And as we abide in Christ, the vine, the branches live together in peace. Lord, help us. We need your power. We need your grace to bring the walls down. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. So much about people who come in on different like levels and spectrums biblically 
Some people got it wrong. <laughs> Some people got it right, if that's a word. <laughs> Help us, Lord, for those who've come to Christ, for us to drive them to that foundation of the apostles and the prophets, to the word, to the spirit, and not drive them against our wall. Lord, we are all scared. I know I am. I'm afraid of opening that door. I am afraid of certain walls coming down. I don't want to lose, Lord. I don't want to offend you, and I don't want to offend myself, Lord, or others. Help us to be biblical. Like you called this church in Ephesus, biblical toward what was taught in the word by the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ, through an understanding of the gospel, Lord. And in that, we'll know peace. Lord, if this church is made up of people who are protecting things because they're afraid of each other, of other people, Lord, if they're afraid of you being Lord, afraid that you would break down that wall of hostility they have, they would come to Christ. Lord, when we talk about issues of sexuality, give us grace. It is a hard thing to talk about and a hard thing to deal with right now for this church, and we pray that you would help us. Guide us. Teach us. Show us. Thank you, Lord, for your grace that called each one of us with all our little secrets and all our little walls to be at peace with God by grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.